0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Adventure Audio Podcast. In this episode, we have an awesome conversation with Celine Yeager. Celine Yeager is a bicycling magazine's fit chick. So, if you're familiar with Bicycling Magazine or Runner's World or a lot of those publications, uh, Celine has been a really prolific writer for those for quite a long time. She's known as the Fit Chick. Uh, she's a coach, she's a really prolific racer and writer. And uh, we just had an awesome conversation with her. She's super cool. She was very gracious with her time and we can't wait to have her back on the pod. Uh, Just a very, very, very great person and uh, experienced coach, but she has a really, really grounded uh, approach to coaching and racing and just life in general. So loved getting to know her a little bit. Uh, happy Happy to be acquainted with her and we'd love to have her back on. As we say all the time, thank you again for listening. Um, If you enjoy the show, please give us a rating or give us a share or help us spread the word. We really appreciate it. Uh, As always, please reach out to us if you have any questions, comments about the podcast, adventureaudiopodcast at gmail.com. And we can also be reached uh, via our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook pages. Thank you again for listening. And we really hope that you enjoy our chat with Celine. Okay, we are recording here with Celine Yeager, uh, who is Bicycling Magazine's Fit Chick and a number of other publications. Celine, you can fill us in on all of those, and author General Badass on the Bike, which is awesome. And full disclosure, we are already acquainted with Celine. We have recorded a podcast. with So Celine's been very gracious with her time and has joined us again. Talk more about her new book, Gravel, and uh just what she's up to in twenty twenty. Happy to be here. You know, I guess yeah. Thanks thanks. so much. So I guess we can actually, you know what, where I'd really start is how your past weekend went. Because you told us that you were uh scheduled to do back to back events in Florida.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh and then or not not this past weekend, but the weekend prior, I believe. Right, but right. I just listened to the baseline yesterday and it sounds like that uh Went all kinds of different directions. <laughs> so I'd love for you to walk us through how that kind of went.
2: It was very Florida. It was it was an, it was ex- an incredibly Florida experience. Um, yeah, uh, it was supposed to be the, Sh- the SugarCane Two Hundred, which is a two hundred mile gravel event, was slated for the twenty fifth of January, and then the day after that was uh, the Gravel Gladiator, which was a hundred mile gravel event, and they were about an hour from each other. So we got the bright idea. We being my husband and I was like, oh, we'll go down. And like on Saturday, we'll do the 200 as a relay because I didn't really feel the need to have 200 in one day in January. Um, and then we'll do the Gravel Gladiator the next day. And three days out from it, Gravel Gladiator sends an urgent message that the race is canceled. Uh, yeah, we- which. Yeah. Bummer. It. it it, it, you know, it actually, it really did knock the wind out of my sails more than I thought because I was sort of doing everything right. I mean, it's pretty early in the season to be taking, you know, like really training training. But like I, if you're going to do that kind of 200 mile weekend, you want to be ready for it. So I really like I was prepping. I had I was tapering and I was tapering sort of like that irrita- irritating because if I don't get out and ride, I get kind of irritable. And I was like, it hit me at the wrong time I'm like really like I have my heart set on this and now blah blah blah, blah. so um I just emailed the organizer at sugarcane 200 and I was just like there's no rule against me just riding the whole thing even as a relay he's like you do it, whatever you want <laughs> so I decided that I was just gonna ride out and meet my husband at the turnaround and ride back with him to keep him company uh so that was our plan for the day but like man stuff But stuff went real sideways. I mean, they, the South Florida Water Commission is, I guess, the one that shut was shutting kind of everything down. They, the event promoters didn't quite get all the clearance that sounded like maybe they needed, and uh, yeah. yeah. So, so we started. We started the sugar the sugarcane two hundred was supposed to be a big loop, and then they got word that they couldn't use some of that property. And it was on Friday that they got that word. So they didn't want to cancel their race. So they just made it an out and back and avoided that the the water commission property. Uh, but still, you know, like the race starts at five AM, five. So we found out at four the day before that they were gonna be sending us whole new g- GPS files. Um oh, yeah. yeah, which we didn't get until like nine. Um so it's just like, okay, I gotta get up at 3:45 and eat. So let's try to get these things up. Um, you know, we were all everybody was pretty well spirited about it. That we showed up, it was pitch black, <laughs> it was so foggy. Showed up at 4:30-ish. And there, of course, there were some people that sort of missed the memo. So they were at the former start place because the start moved too. Like everything moved. The start moved.
1: Oh, so he was no. trying to
2: like explain to us <laughs> how to get to the start. It was on this rural road in the Everglades and some people were still at the public's parking lot. So he had to get them, but we, you know, we all got off and we all like pretty much hung together. Cause we're in the Everglades with like alligators and stuff and it's pitch black with fog. So yeah, it was Ted King was there. Like Jamie Bestwick was there. Who else? Uh, Amanda, Jeremiah Bishop, a whole bunch of people sort of let it out. And like people hung together pretty well, split into two groups. And then the sun came up. I was like, this is pretty cool. It's very flat, but it's pretty cool. And then we got, we turned onto a road about mile 40. And I was with a small group of guys and a pickup truck comes towards us. And at this point, we're on a really crappy road. It's like deep sand dune kind of sand. And this truck rolls up and he rolls down his window and he goes, the law has been notified. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Not
1: it's like,
2: I'm like, the law where are we? The Dukes of Hazard? I'm like, the law has been notified? And he's like, You are on private property and the law has been notified. And so we just were like, we're gonna outrun the law. We're not turning back now. So we just kept we just kept going. Some people did not, however, outrun the law. He was correct. The law had been notified, and there was all kinds of rumors that the guy had a shotgun. I never saw a shotgun. We got off. We we made it through that stretch. It was about a three mile stretch. Uh, there was supposed to be a rest stop at Joey's Pizza. We never found Joey's Pizza either. Which I found out it was actually some guy's house. It wasn't actually a restaurant. 102 miles. Pizza. Yeah, 102 miles. We, we were just we had no water stop. So 102 miles. Like we were just like, thank God, it's overcast and cloudy in Florida made it to the turnaround, and uh, one of the event guys is like, well, there's been a situation. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I, I was part of that situation. So they cut it to 150, which, honestly, we were all pretty good-spirited about, because it is... Have you ever ridden there, either of you, in South Florida?
0: I've never been in Florida.
2: I have never seen anything so flat in my entire life. I have never ridden on a... No lie, I'm riding... We got to the turnaround, and I was riding with my husband, and there was a point maybe a 130 miles in. And I, I'm like, where did this hill come from? And I kept charging, like literally getting out of my saddle and charging to the point where I thought it was cresting only to be like, it's not cresting. What is like, what is going on? And I, I had dropped my husband. I let him catch up. And I'm like, what grade are we on? And he was like, zero. I was like, what do you mean zero? He's like, zero. For 11 miles, we climbed one foot into the headwind like it it It. i've never seen it it was like this crazy optical illusion i would have bet my next paycheck that we were on a a three percent hill it was insane but yeah so we saw a lot of alligators and big birds and you know it was uh yeah it was it was cool and it was uh it reminded me of like what i actually really love about gravel events i mean that was kind of fun because it was just such mayhem and i kind of like mayhem but it, it's the best it really is the best way to see a place like you can road ride through places and you know mountain biking of course is really great too but but gravel you know you really get to like that's that's florida that is south florida you know these windy dike you know like roads along dams and alligators and it was just it was cool and at the end of the day it was a it was a cool event
1: she did 150 I, miles
2: I did one hundred fifty miles, yeah, and that—that that, you know what, Tyler, that was plenty. <laughs> I yeah, was not sorry when he said it's not going to be two hundred. I was like, that's okay. I don't need two hundred at this time of January
0: right now. <laughs> How yeah. Long of a ride is yeah. that?
2: Uh, I think it ended up. We made really good time because uh, I was I was sitting, I shamelessly sitting on Jamie Bestwick's wheel for a lot of it. <laughs> so we we got to the turnaround in like five forty-five, which isn't bad. Um, for 102 miles and then so i think the whole thing took maybe nine yeah about nine hours for 150
0: that's really fast
2: so how did
1: you how did did this how did you get started in all this craziness
2: in like gravel riding
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah you know i um we (laughs) always like (laughs) Like (laughs) no (laughs) that's lola yeah they they said i got a cat joining me um we here in PA, we have, we'd always had all these events where we would just do some gravel, you know, on our, on our road bikes, but it was fun, but it was sometimes type two fun because there was a lot of flats, you know, I mean, it's, there was, it definitely the bikes weren't always up to the challenge, but, but we were, um, and they like tour a bat and kill is sort of in my backyard and hell of hundred Inn, which is in Jersey. So those sort of spring classics were always part of the DNA of where I live and ride. And ride. Yeah. yeah. And I met Jim Cummins here too. So I heard about a dirty Kansas when dirty Kanza first started, you know, he was a friend of ours and he's like, yeah, we do this thing. I'm like, that sounds terrible. I mean, I was just like, that, like, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. 200 miles in the, prairie in kansas and he's like no you should come he kept trying to get us to come and finally in 2013 i'm like all right like i was writing that book with rebecca she was rushed and she was going out and you know we had just done like we were doing a lot of racing together at the time so i'm like all right i'm gonna go out i'm gonna see what this is all about and i had not ever raced midwest gravel you know like i said we we were racing the most the biggest bike i ever used was my cyclocross bike which had like 30s on it maybe 33s um and they kept telling me no 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 you need like 38s out there and i put on these giant tires i was just like this is insane like who needs these tires they look like balloons to me at the time but then i got out there and i was like okay i get it yep i wish i had even bigger tires because this stuff is it's ridiculous but then i i totally understood like i was like this is pretty cool like this whole scene is is pretty cool and that would that's really where it i turned the corner and just started really exploring
1: it and then it's just taken off for you right i mean then yeah. to write a book and you've written many totally books. the most recent book is called gravel correct
2: The most recent one is called Gravel. And it's funny, Tyler, like I, I came up with that idea. I did a book before that called Climb, you know, which was totally a passion project because I like climbing and readers are always asking about climbing. So it was fun. I like interviewed a physicist. I'm like, what's the steepest somebody could ride a bike up, you know, and he like did this whole thing and he thought it was like maybe 40 percent before you actually would like fall over. Yeah. So it was super fun and it did really well. So they're like, you want to do another like little niche book? And I was like, yeah. And uh, it just, I thought like gravel because it just seemed like there was a need. Like I was at that point, you know, I had, like I said, it was like 2013. I'd sort of started doing this and then the scene started to really take off at that point. And I was going to all these different events and there's one home close to me in central PA. That's more like a grind Duro court kind of thing, you know? So you're on, you're on mountain bike trails, you're on stuff that most people wouldn't want to be riding gravel bikes down, but you know, we do, and it's fun, but there was a guy, he was there and he ended up walking most of it. And at the end of it, he sat down by me with a beer and he was just like, that was not fun for me. He's like, is that gravel? And, you know, I had those same encounters, a couple different events. And I thought, Maybe there's a need here just to sort of talk to people, you know, about like what this is, what you might find, what to look for, what will be fun for you, what might not be fun for you. You know, it's and it's been pretty funny, I have to tell you, I and I won't mention names, but I've heard from a couple of uh, uh, pro friends of mine who have grabbed the book who are coming in from the road because they don't want to ask questions, but they don't know. You know, just like just stuff like gear, oh, like where do you put it there? like where do you put your stuff what do you do because it's it's different you know I mean yes you really want to wear a pack I hated packs I'm like do I really need a pack you know what yes actually most of the time you do um and here's why and just it's different you you're in a you know you're you're pushing it's taking a lot more work it's not as hard as mountain biking that way but you are working real hard on a lot of those surfaces. You know, you need to do more big gear work. You need to do all that kind of stuff because, you know, I'm going to Mid-South formally land run next month. And, you know, if you're in, like, wet clay, you're working real hard for a long time. Yeah. Would you
1: be on average, like, 20% harder?
2: That's a good question. Uh I mean, in the book, I say if you, you know, I try to say, like, you should at least plan on averaging 2 to 3 miles per hour slower, right? um the yeah then the road then the road like because a lot of people you know like I remember Patrick Brady when we were talking about his first foray to dirty Kansas last year and you know I think in his head he's like oh I'll do 15 16 miles per hour and I was like mm, I don't I, I don't I, I don't know if you'll do 15 16 miles per hour you know sometimes you're going into the headwind downhill and you're going eight so you might want to adjust your expectations. Because you're out there a long time, and people just aren't used to that. And it takes different fueling, hydrate, all of it. it like, it, you have to think a little bit differently. Stuff flies off your bike. You know, like, you have to have your stuff very cinched down. It's a lot of... There's a there's a learning curve, for sure. What's, yeah,
1: what's the number one thing that people don't know about, you know, where they learn... The, what's the um, biggest thing that they learn right away, you know? Is it, like, yeah. I, I want to... Well, I think. (laughs) But
2: I was gonna say, what they learn right away is their stuff's flying off their bike. Is what they're learning right away. Um, Because when I first went to, I learned that the hard way. Like I went to do a shakedown ride. Like I had not really ridden my bike on the kind of stuff I'd be riding on the first time I went to Kansas. So like two weeks before, I'm like, oh, I'll do a shakedown ride. Oh my lord! Everything. My saddlebag flew off. (laughs) My my bottles were shelling. It's like this is. I'm so glad I discovered this now um and, and equipment has gotten much better but honestly Tyler, the thing that i think that people uh learn the hard way which is what people always learn the hard way at, at these kind of events is nutrition uh, nutrition does everybody in because you're burning more calories you're using more energy and you really need to practice that stuff because these events are also quite long and i you know in my experience i think you can get away with anything nutritionally for like Yeah, five hours maybe. But once you cross over that five, and especially once you start going into eight, everything catches up with you.
1: Yeah. So just staying on top of it, staying on top of eating drinking and drinking. And
2: And, and what you take in. You know, I mean, you might be able to get away with whatever that is, your gels or what, you know, like it, it. it also, the same thing that works for that shorter, not as arduous event, like, may not work so well uh your stomach might once your stomach shuts down your day is gets pretty bad you know so it's yeah i always tell people like you've got to practice that you've got to
1: train it because it's just miserable it's place. peanut butter and but, jellies. i would think for the first half
2: yeah <laughs> well way. but the other thing is you'd be shocked like dirty <laughs> kansas sta- starts like a mountain bike state like xc race i'm not I, really it's it starts so hot it it's amazing how quickly that thing they want to make a selection really fast and everyone's all amped up i've i'm always amazed at how quick that thing starts and people like rocks are flying and hitting you and it's just that start is steamboat was the same way steamboat was like where are we going but people just they start really fast for like that first hour i want to say and then before it settles in okay
0: do all of the distances start together cuz there's a 100 a 200 and then there's the XL right
2: no so no no so they they start the um, most of the races that I've done start the long distance first and then they wave start them from there
0: so you say it's a hot start like it's it's the 200 mile riders are going out like full gas g-
2: it you'd be surprised it really it's, wow. it starts really fast um you know, I mean, in some places I understand that. Like when you do a Leadville, everyone's racing because nobody wants to get caught behind on that first climb, right? I mean, that's that's, that's what everyone's going so fast for. But these, same thing. The Michigan ride I did, I did the coast to coast, which that's the cool ride. It start it goes from Lake Huron to Lake Michigan, and like we're we're literally eight miles in, and this little pack starts flying by me they're like come on celine and i was just like I- i'm good you know like we have we have some time i'm I'm in my pace and 30 seconds later they're all on the ground like i and i'm heading straight into this crash like some you hear the skidding and the brakes lock i'm like are you kidding me if i break myself <laughs> at the start and yeah the woman who would like come on celine she's face down in the ground and the one person's bike is broken and i was like i don't know man like everyone needs to calm down we have 213 miles to go like let's all let's all keep ourselves together people get so real amped great
0: up point, Ashley, do you find that there's more wrecks in gravel racing than road or is it about the same
2: I, I no 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 I mean it's probably oh it depends what the road is right but it's uh sure it's not more than crits for sure <laughs> it's 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 about the same people. People are honestly pretty good about staying within themselves. I mean, you always, you have some people that take the corners too hot, but you have people who do that in the road too, right? I, I haven't seen, I wouldn't say I've seen more crashes.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So when was your first Dirty Cancer?
2: That was 2013 was the first one. And it's, uh, man, it's really blown up since then. I did it again in 2017. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah it was kind of a it was a bit of a fringe event back then right it was
2: just starting to leave that fringe because I got
0: third yeah. place and I'll, I would never get third
2: place again like I got on the podium um and I don't that that was yeah I don't I don't see that happening <laughs> and
0: it, like one it really got big well there's road pro there now and stuff but you yeah. know gravel still feels like... Even though it's kind of blown up, it still feels kind of like mountain biking was in, like, ninety seven, ninety eight. Like, it still feels like there's so much more to go. To I would
2: agree with that. I think the wave has really just um, started. You know, it started, like, building up, and now it's just... But I don't think we're... I think it's going to be traveling at this, at this rate for a little bit yet. I mean, people are just still coming into it. There's a lot of new people still discovering it. And it's, you know, it's definitely starting to go through some growing pains already, you know, as people are just, I, I always liken it to like, you know, the the purists who love that band before everyone discovered their band. And now they're like, oh, everybody likes my band, and it's not as cool anymore. And how can I get all these people out of here? But, um, you know, the scene is still fun. Like, the, I, the people who are grouchy about it, I'm just like, go to the events. The events are still fun. And yeah, it's It's still got the same spirit to it. And there'll be more so races.
0: Sure. How do, how do you, which, is, which is great, right? Because events will blow up, which is super fun. It becomes more inclusive in some ways that way. But how do you think, for somebody so involved in it and writing books about it and stuff, how do you think that Gravel can hold that identity without becoming, um, I don't, don't want to say douchey, but, you know, <laughs> like just more. it can, it, sometimes the fun can get taken out of it, but when it grows too much, but you don't want to hide it from people what do you think right this is um
2: you know I, I think that's i think that will just take care of itself quite honestly i think that um you know because people tried that with dirty cancer there was that guy that came and he had like he had a van following him and was trying to get feeds from the van and the, and the community shut that down pretty quickly like like that's not okay <laughs> you know like like don't do that um so I th- I think that it's self I honestly think it self polices pretty well I think that it is going to change everything changes and you will have events like Steamboat Gravel is very much it's it feels like a a pretty serious road race honestly uh, you know it, it's it's pretty hot it's pretty professional it's pretty tight it's still it's still a lot of fun you know there's still a party at the end and everyone does the same course but it's it's a different vibe from you know the other smaller grass more grassrooty events and i i think that you just want to find what there's so many now just just find the the vibe that works for you
1: yeah Yeah, it seems like events are popping up left right and center didn't you just go preview the the new uh course down there in arkansas the The big big sugar yeah Yeah.
2: which is an interesting one because that's the first one that lifetime has launched ground up yeah and yeah that'll be that that's gonna be a that's gonna be a hard event that that place is sharp and punchy
0: really
2: um yeah 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 it won't be you won't be able to like hang together very well on that one it's too it's kind of like where i live it's just uh you're always going up or down it's very punchy there's not much in between and that breaks things apart pretty quickly
0: you know you'll have yeah which you won't have is a good thing for safety though right i in yeah. my opinion like i've I've been involved in organizing some falls in the mountain bike race, and um, you know we strategically love to have a big climb early because it just gets safer, faster because it blows up the group, right?
2: Totally. Have you ever done Leadville? I mean, whenever I I am oh, always amazed. There aren't more crashes me, there.
0: It starts that's about one of the most intimidating parts.
2: It starts like almost four miles of a almost like a downhill. It's very it's crazy,
1: and on hate. the road.
2: Right? Yeah, people yeah. Mountain bike pelotons are terrifying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, oh, these are people who, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of talented riders in there and that are more situationally aware. But there's also a lot of people who who train around by themselves and then they're in a group of 2,000 bikes. That's scary.
2: Even when it's have, a, a professional peloton. A mountain bike peloton is a difficult thing. You know, the bars are very wide. I mean, it's just not as, it's just a little, little different. And then, but everybody, I get that one because no one wants to be behind the Conga line at St. Kevin's. Cause as soon as, you know, it climbs up, there are people who go into the red immediately, like, and start walking. And once somebody puts a foot down in front of you, I mean, you don't want to walk right. up that whole thing.
0: Yeah, we talked about that with Evan Nelson. It's uh, the corral. Oh it's, yeah, you know, yeah. really impactful, right? Because if you huge so arrow at that climb in the year, suddenly you're 30 minutes behind your sort of splits of where you were hoping to be, right?
2: Yeah, that can that can own, make or break which, a day for sure. At that point,
0: yeah, uh, it can affect a big buckle or small buckle or finish at all, right? Yeah, yeah, depending on what kind of pacing you're doing. Which is interesting for sure.
1: So, what what do you have? Uh, what other plans do you have this year?
2: Well, this year I just, uh, I'm going down to Mid South next month, which is formerly Land Run 100, which oh, is yeah. the one in Oklahoma.
1: Sure. Awesome.
2: And I'm hoping it doesn't rain. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one is, it has, it's that beautiful red dirt that turns to pottery. Oh, no. uh, yeah. So, really, really, really hoping. They had one year that, I can't remember but it was an astonishing number, like 70% had to pull for hypothermia, because it oh, no way. It was the post the, the forecast had it going into the 40s. I think it never got above 36 and people just were not dressed for it. They weren't ready Um and they just got hung out in that, they got stuck in the clay and just there was a lot of people that ended up uh, going to the local medical center for hypothermia that year so i'm gonna be prepared for pretty much whatever hope hope like expect for the worst hope for the best kind of situation so hey, i'll do man, that what? one um unpaved which is here in central pa Oh, cool.
1: 120
2: miles really beautiful um, the Spirit World, which is in Arizona. It goes from Patagonia, Arizona to the Mexican border and back. That's... Really psyched about that one. That's in November. And a bunch of local stuff. I know I'm missing some some major things. Oh, great. There's one... Another one in Central PA. Central PA has some really fun gravel. So I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff pretty close to home.
1: Great. And your husband, he puts on some races, doesn't
2: he? He puts on Unpaved. Uh, he puts on... Oh, no awesome. Yeah. Which is really cool
0: how long has he been doing that for
2: he's been helping out with events for quite a while uh unpaid is only going into its third year but he helped put on transylvania mountain bike epic which was in central pa uh when that was going on and then what well, that they had since sold that he also puts on some local charity events uh, the monkey knife fight is a local one that's coming up which is
0: that's a great name
2: it's a great name, isn't it? it, it the the money goes to uh, Dream Come True for sick kids and for the American Cancer Society. But it races up like all the gnarliest uh, dirt roads that we have. So we have we have uh, we you know what it's like here in the East Coast. Like some of the uh, roads are like twenty seven percent and they're unpaved and it's ludicrous. So uh, for a good cause, but man, it's hard. Seven, it's like seventy eight miles and just a ton of climbing
0: so from a technical side of things are you depending on the course are you like actually tinkering with your bike and changing out crank sets and stuff like I'm that? i'm the worst
2: no i i went <laughs> and did tragic. i'm so dumb i went and did mount washington on my road set it was like a 39 whatever you know 50. <laughs> i'll never forget like i asked bill strickland the editor of bicycling at the time i'm like should i get a compact he's like no you'll be fine like it was uh, pitorello I went and I was I was like out of gears from here to like like in 50 yards. I mean, literally, I was looking around and everybody had like their brakes stripped off their bikes and all this stuff and I was like, you are an idiot, you're such an idiot. But you know what? Like I, I ended up getting third overall and won my age group and because I had no choice, like I had no so, it was like speed. I guess fine. so. I was fine. <laughs> I was just like, I will not walk, I will not walk it was i've never seen
1: the world one of the hardest climbs in the world for sure for sure
2: it's like it's crazy
1: miles, like 12 and a half percent grade something like that
2: oh yeah no i mean it, it averages it's even i think it averages even more that it, it goes it's it's ludicrous it spends a lot of time at 18 i'll tell you that like it yeah. spends an awful lot of time
0: Perfect for sure it's not bad like once one of those times where you tap your shifter even though you know you're in your smallest gear but you're like maybe
1: Maybe." well i
2: I shifted once and it was only for my head like i was in my smallest gear immediately and then (laughs) as soon as it as soon as it got a little better i'm like i'm gonna shift just because i need to shift and that was it and then i went right back to the smallest and that just spent my whole pretty much the whole time there but yeah it was pretty magnificent it was a it's it's a it's a really interesting event but yeah no i'm dumb that I mean the answer to your question is no i'm i i'm so bad with that stuff i have gotten better because tires make a huge huge difference so if there's something that i do pay more attention to than i used to even i try to be more diligent about my tire selection because i hate 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 getting flats so i like to like have the right tires that for the conditions that are also durable because there's nothing there's nothing big bigger drag for me than just like sitting at the side of the road changing out my tires.
0: And are you usually racing on um sixty B or seven hundreds?
2: Am I usually racing on what? I didn't catch
0: that. Uh wheel size. Are you are you going a smaller wheel size, like a six fifty no. B and a and a I tire? haven't
2: I have six. not embraced that. I am a seven hundred oh, cc no? girl. No, I don't, I just can't get used to it. It feels, it just feels, I know that the circumference and everything it's supposed to measure, but it doesn't feel the same to me. I am a, I'm a 700 person. Yeah.
0: And how wide a tire will you go on a 700? It depends on what bike you're riding, obviously.
2: Yeah, I have an open upper that I use most of the time and I have 38s and that seems to be a magical, like that's just right me like i think they 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 kind of set up a pretty wide 38 and that gets me through pretty much everything um you know if i'm doing something more of like enduro style then i'll go to i'll i'll go up to almost like a 50 you know sure but uh yeah no i i i like a 38 700
0: interesting that's the really exciting part of gravel too is the bike tech right like i mean it's it's gotten amazing to your point, people started doing this on road bikes, cross bikes, and now not only is there a whole subset of, of gravel bikes, but there's there's bikes that you can run two wheel sets on, and it's they're perfectly suitable road bikes and gravel bikes, and they've gotten wide tires and discs, and it's just, and and we're really just scratching the surface. I think in five years we're going to see really crazy stuff. Who
2: even knows? Well, we well, already are. Like. Because it, it's running just this empty. giant spectrum. I've just t- I just tested that one, the um, Niner Magic Carpet Ride, right? Which is it, dual. It's a full suspension gravel bike, and it is it not, your not your a mountain away. bike. I wish it was lighter. Is my only takeaway. Because if it was, it would okay. be the perfect bike. It is. It is so planted. It's amazing. Like I took it down like some stuff that's always really sketchy that I test bikes on. And I didn't touch the brakes or like skid at all. Like it's just, it it works amazingly well. It's just a little heavy for a lot like a long, climby event. I just, if it was a little lighter, it would be, it would really, really be magical. But I'm like, this is starting something. It's definitely, you know, I I rolled my eyes real hard when I heard that that was coming out, and I ate every word because it's, mm-hmm. man. Over stutter bumps, you know, the washboard stuff right. and it just yeah. disappears. And if I was gonna do like a DKXL, if you're gonna be out there for days, then who cares? Right? Like yeah. right. maybe that weight doesn't what is, matter.
0: What's two and a half at that point, right?
2: yeah, I mean it's uh but you know, I also went out and tested the uh the evil chamois Hagar. Have you seen that one?
1: <laughs> I've heard of that one. <laughs> that. I have I have also that's a
0: pretty killer name. It, they are proud of
1: it.
2: It's
0: got a sixty-six degree head
2: angle on that thing. Like wow. wrap your yeah, head around uh, that. It's like a chopper. I mean that you're
1: yeah,
2: uh, you're looking smart. at your super slack, but yet a pretty steep seat tube. It's a really interesting, interesting bike. Uh that
0: sounds like it wouldn't respond really sharply though. You'd be
2: surprised. I, if it for like hairpins and stuff n- not so much, no, but it was much more maneuverable than I thought it would be, especially at speed. It was pretty impressive. We tested it out in Arizona on like these flowy mountain bike trails really and it was really fun it was it was really fun to ride i mean i I, I don't know i you always need to test things other places, but for bike packing is huge. Like a lot of these things, you know, the salsa cutthroat is another one. That's essentially a drop bar mountain bike with a million different mounting things on it, you know, so you can carry a camp stove and whatever else you want. But you know, a lot of, I think you're seeing that giant, this huge spectrum of, to your point, these gravel bikes that you just have to sort of ask yourself like, okay, what do I actually want this bike for? Because there's so many different applications and bikes that meet those applications.
1: But if you're going
2: to get one bike, <clears throat> I'd say a gravel bike, wouldn't you? Oh, I agree 100%. Cuz my my open is my I use that on the road almost all the time now. You know, it's
0: it's Really, heavy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because I it's 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 not slow, it's not yeah. heavy, and it's uh it's it leans a little more towards road geometry and it just opens up. You know, like today I went out today and it's February and there's crap all over the road in Pennsylvania cuz it's like cinders and salt and potholes and and who cares sure you know like it's just it it, they're very relaxing to ride because you're not just like worrying about being on pristine pavement you know you can go like through a park on a cinder path it it just opens up your riding possibilities absolutely and then when you
1: do get on like a busy road you can ride way off the shoulder in the the gravel on the side
2: totally and nobody and who cares and that's what i mean like it's it's uh you know, I know people like back in the day would have their winter bike, you know, with like yeah. the gator skins and whatever, and, and try to, but yeah. I, now I just ride my gravel bike.
1: That's awesome. You got a pretty cool life. You got a pretty cool life. You're riding a bike. It's, it's you're riding the... bike. You're, you know, you're, how do you, how do you get started in writing? Like you've written, what, two dozen, almost two dozen, or been involved with two, two dozen different
2: I'm More bikes. than that at this point. I <laughs> make a, like almost More three than... dozen at this point. Really? Yeah. No, I was a writer before I was anything else. I, uh, I always, and I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really go to school for writing. It's funny. I, when I was in high school, all my teachers would, would tell me that I should be a writer and I was like, Oh, okay. You know, whatever. And I, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. Um, so I went to school. I thought I'd go pre-med and that seemed like an awful lot of school once I got to school. <laughs> so I was like, maybe i won't be pre-med and i went in and i got an anatomy physiology concentration with like a communications degree I, it, it was a very hodgepodge thing that i put together for myself but it's funny because it actually ended up being what i do because i got out of school and i was a medical writer in philadelphia which which
1: which oh, was terrible know you
2: know yeah yeah i I wrote for exciting magazines like Infectious Diseases in Children, and uh, yeah, Radiology Today, (laughs) and it was fine. But I, I really wanted to get into consumer health, and I kept knocking on the door at Rodale, which did men's health and prevention, and women's health, and bicycling and Runners World. It's like if only I could get into there. And I kept sending them resumes and they kept sending me very nice rejection letters. And at some point, uh, they, they hired a headhunter to go through the resumes during this big hiring phase they had. And they called me. And they, the, it's funny, the, the test was to write a chapter on dental floss for, for their book. So you had to be creative. And I got, yeah, I got the job and I just started, it all came together. Right, if she I start... can
0: make dental floss exciting, <laughs> yeah. then she's the winner.
2: That was the point, you know, that was, that was the point. And it was, it was a really, that was what, that changed my whole entire life, that job, getting employed by Rodale, and it was with their book division at the time, just at my whole course, because I met everybody at BicycleAime. And at the time, I was just riding this hybrid. I like, I was that geeky girl that just always liked to ride my bike. I didn't know... I never knew anything about anything. I didn't know the Tour de France existed. I didn't know people raced bikes. I lived in you know a small coal town where people wrestled, played field hockey, or played football. You know, I didn't know. True. I didn't know anything. I just rode my bike because I liked to ride, and I used to want to see how far I would go on it. And so when I started at Rodale and the bicycling, people were like, "Oh, you should come out." And I was like, well, okay. And then they're like, well, you should like get a real bike. And I'm like, I have a real bike. Like, "Mm, no, maybe you should try one of these. So they got me on a road bike and they're like, maybe you want some padded shorts. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, or clip, you know, shoes that you clip in. I like, they're like, yeah, maybe you should race this thing. I I just had no idea. And they kept sort of like helping me along. And I entered a race and won the race and started mountain bike racing. And uh, yeah, it, it all just, I I feel very fortunate it all went it all went from there you know it's not been it's not been without its bumps and stuff but I feel I feel fortunate every single day that I found my path and I found my people like every single day I feel incredibly lucky I did never thought when I got on this road that I'd still be on this road and it's it's pretty cool that I am
1: that's great to hear that's great to hear Yeah.
0: yeah it is extremely cool
1: do you people find? have a favorite book that you
0: wrote? Wow! Oh, good question. You know, I'm,
1: I, it's uh, on my reading list. Uh, Rush to Glory about Rebecca Rush. I've never mm-hmm. met her, but I've heard lots of great things about her. She lives just south of here, south of Missoula. It's a good
0: book. Rebecca's had a pretty crazy life.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah I, That I was real. Ha- I was very happy with that book, and it was that was a. Um, that was a great process. It was a great process. I met her at his, at Transylvania when she came out for it. And, you know, she was like, oh, you know, people are always like, I should have a book. I'm like, well, I know a person, you know. So, yeah, yeah. we started hanging out and, you know, I we raced Brazil together. We, we did a bunch of stuff and I went to her house and we spent time and I just interviewed her and recorded her and got stuff from her and sat down for six months and just, Put her words down and and you know made a book out of it and it was it that was super well received i'm super super proud of that one that's great. she's yeah I,
0: she you know the way the story unfolds and she's reinvented herself as an athlete multiple times i mean climbing el cap to yeah. becoming this multi-day adventure racer to a really successful bike racer like she didn't win leadville till she was like 38 right
2: Well, that's the funny thing. Like both of us were, we're the same age and, you know, we both came kind of pretty late into the game. Like I didn't do, I mean, I, I was racing locally, but I didn't start doing all that stuff until pretty much we met each other. I had just done Ironman, which was kind of a fluke, but I ended up going to Kona (laughs) and, uh, you know, then I got picked up by a mountain bike racing team, and she and I ended up racing together, but that was all through my 40s. Like I, And I also feel super lucky about that. Like, you know, you start something that like, and women, I think, have a, a little more even leeway. I, 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 I don't have any physiology to, to base this off of, but I I think women in endurance can go even longer. I mean, men can too, but you you have some longevity in the sport when you race that long and those distances uh but you know you have nowhere to go but up you know i started at 38 she was the same age and just like for a while like you can you can race for a very long time and i feel really real fortunate about that too
0: you can which is super cool and super inspiring and we we talked to um we talked to Dean about about endurance running oh yeah i heard that and, one and you know like like Courtney Dohalter winning winning the race across Utah by like eight hours, so it seems as though as, as distances get longer, women aren't only just catching up to the men, but they're actually beating them a lot of the time, which is well. Awesome. The
2: yeah, I mean, tran- the transcontinental, the Continental Divide. I mean, the, you know, all those kind of things. I mean, it, it becomes very equal. I mean, Tyler, you would ask me about one of like one of my favorite books is the one I did with Stacy Sims, uh, *Roar*. Oh yeah. Because I saw her, I saw her at a USA Cycling coaching summit for the first time. And she spoke and I'd never heard ever somebody talk about menstruation. I was like, whoa. And talking about women and like, she was just saying all this stuff. And she walked out and it was like the Messiah had just left. She had a line of people just following her because she just said all these things that nobody had ever talked about because nobody had ever studied women like that. And I made my way up to the line and I was like, you need a book and I'm going to get it. And she's like, great. (laughs) And that's and we just started. Yeah, it was great. I went out and stayed with her. I helped test drive the Osmo stuff that she came out with, you know, the women's specific nutrition line. And uh, it was really cool to do that. Like she she was very into pee sticks at the time, the urinalysis trip. So we would race up what is it, Tam, like outside of the Bay Area, like the, the Seven Sisters or the th- whatever oh, yeah. Sisters, three sisters, all those,
1: oh, so she hot. kept,
2: si- yeah, she kept sending us up these godforsaken hills and motor pacing and then we'd like hide behind dumpsters and pee on sticks and show her and she'd be like, oh, see, so you're losing protein and we'd have more drinks and it was just, it was, a, it was pretty cool. It was cool to see like it actually working, you know, like she would give you this stuff and you'd be losing less protein or you would whatever. Uh, but yeah, we, we got a book together and we're another one's probably on the way. We just, she's, it's, it's been super, super well received and it's really exciting.
1: Great. Awesome. So you said another one's on the way.
2: Yeah. We're looking at doing, um, a book for, for really capitalizing on, uh, older women athletes, master women athletes, right? Cause that is a, a segment that's kind of not ever talked about either we want to do the same thing for them that we did for like talking about menstruation and you know hormone cycles in women because women are yeah. not small men that's always been her tagline and it's it's super true
0: i remember seeing a you a picture of you in a shirt that said that and I yeah was,
1: that's,
0: yeah that's, that's great <laughs> yeah that's awesome
1: so, so yeah. just guys i'm back oh hi
0: Welcome back. Oh, we had a little little glitch there. So uh, Celine, when people uh where can people pick up gravel?
2: The best place honestly is Amazon. Um, you know, they sell it directly from yeah. Hearst, which is the main publisher, but Amazon is just the it's the easiest place to find it.
0: And and where can people follow you on social media?
2: I am at um, on Facebook. I'm at Fit Chick Celine Yeager and I'm at Fit Chick 3 on Twitter. And uh, same thing on Instagram. Those are the three channels that I use most. I put most of my work still up on Facebook because the community, it's, I know people bash on Facebook, but I have like really good conversations with uh, readers on my professional Facebook page.
1: And Celine's got a great website, yes. CelineJager.com. Awesome. Yes, I do.
0: Yeah. yeah. And people money. can also hear you. On the paceline. Yeah. Almost weekly, right?
2: Yeah, we try to get up weekly. Uh once in a while it goes by the wayside. You know how those things go. But like pretty Probably. much every Thursday we get we get a podcast out.
0: That is awesome. We should reach out to Patrick and have him on here too, because he's had a pretty pretty epic uh life in the bike world too. Yeah, he's been
2: he's been involved in many facets. Of the uh, of the bicycling um, life
0: yeah yeah lots of like you know lots of going to interbike and all of that kind of stuff right he's been really around
2: yeah and just the the bicycling guides and and he's more into he does a lot with the poll where he talks to the the people you know people who like make bikes and he's really into the the, the craft
0: yeah yeah. Yeah. You, you guys do a great job on the pace line. Well, oh, thank we you. can hear your cat. Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: awesome. You can hear my cat.
0: Yeah. yeah. Lola says hello, everybody. No, it's authentic. That's awesome. So all, all gravel racing for you this year, hey? No mountain bike racing?
2: You know, I I, I stopped. I, wrote, I did one mountain bike race last year, and I regretted it. Like, I spent a lot of time. Really? Yeah. I... I joined that mountain bike racing team first in 2010, and I—that's all I wanted to do. I loved it. Did Cape Epic, did Brazil, did Cuba, did Israel, did like all the NUE stuff. And then at some point, <laughs> at, at some point, I want i, I got—I got tired of racing through places, you know, on these mount. Like I don't know, I just. I, it start, I started to burn out and I started to not want to race on my mountain bike anymore. And, but I, I felt like I was trapped. I don't know if, you, if that makes any sense. Like I couldn't get out of it cause I was still pretty good at it. So I liked the rewarding part of it, but I was started to just be increasingly miserable whenever I'd wake up race day morning. And at some point i I just put it down like i I deliberately got rid of my cross-country race bike i thought okay i'm i just don't want to do this and then i signed up for a race last year and i did it and i did okay but i was like "Mm." it it was just wrecking the fun of mountain biking for me at some point
0: so that's recreational now and gravels racing yeah yeah Yeah. go through amazing stuff and that makes sense
2: Yeah, just if it's not, you know, I mean, yes, you're going to suffer, of course, but if it's not, if you're not really having fun, then you need to got to change something.
0: It can't be suffering.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's it's been so awesome to have you on again. It's been really great. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us, uh, Darius. you know, this podcasting, and um, yeah, thanks for your patience with us, and keep up the great work. It's been really interesting talking to you, and I, hopefully we can interview you again sometime.
0: Sounds yeah. great.
1: Yeah. Patience. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> we would love to have you back on later in the year when we hear about some of the uh, some of the racing and just how it's going and uh, how the book's doing and stuff like that. We're both going to give it a read, and we can catch up after that. Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you, Celine.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. You're awesome. Keep up the great work.
2: Thanks, guys. You too. Keep up the great work. I've been listening. I like the the, uh, the coaching segments quite a bit, actually. Those are fun. Oh,
1: that's great. That's great. Oh, great. With thank the
2: questions, you. I like those segments. I mean, I like all of it. Like, I like that uh, I find myself agree, Like, maybe because I find myself agreeing with you. Like, I find myself answering the question and then hearing you guys answer the question the way I answered it. I'm like, uh, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah you know they take like tyler and jim take i think you guys are aligned a lot that way you could always delve more into things from a technical perspective but they like to try and put things in the context of having fun and having a real life too right so Which seems like what that. You're about. yeah
2: well and also just like i the last one i listened to you guys were talking about um power meters and somebody's just like well i just have a heart rate meter and you know you just talk about like feeling like sometimes maybe you don't want any meter like and you just want to like sense yourself so it was good to yeah it's good answers to people
0: absolutely. we'll let jim know that thank you yeah, all right cool thanks Celine. we'll chat again soon we'll look forward to it all
1: right thanks guys yeah thank you thank you you're welcome Bye.
0: So, that was what we hope to be the first of many conversations with Celine Yeager. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the conversation, if you'd like to get more content from Celine, uh, as we said earlier in the show, and as we mentioned during the podcast with her, uh, she's written a bunch of books, she's co authored a bunch of books, she's been involved in a lot of things. You can listen to her on the Paceline podcast, which she co hosts with Patrick Brady, which is really, really great content for people who are into cycling stuff. Uh, and we would, uh, as we said before, we just really love to have Celine back on what a what a great person and a uh, wonderful person to chat with. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. As always, love it. If you could help us spread the word and shoot us messages, adventure audio podcast at gmail.com or Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, we are adventure audio. Thank you again for listening. And we will be back to you very soon with another episode.